do that as well. And, and again, that along with all of the other Dollar Club stories, if you, if you don't know, we do this every month. And I'd encourage you to get on our website and find the other stories. If you ever want uh, some encouragement or some hope in your day, uh, and, and just know that what you do does make an impact with the kingdom of God uh, through what he does through you and just give him one dollar. Get on our website and, and look at those stories. Uh, you will be praising God in the end of it. Uh, and so with that, I wanna say hello to everybody in here, all of you out there watching, and I'm so glad that you are joining us uh, wherever you may be in your journey with God. We do exist to help you take steps, uh, whatever that is, that next step. We are so grateful to be a part of that journey with you. Uh, my name's Andy. If we haven't met, I'm one of the pastors here. And let's get to it. I wanna welcome you here to week number three uh, of a series that we're in called Why? And what we're doing, uh, we're just taking some time just to look into what God's word says about some of the big areas of our life. And the big idea is this, that, that we wanna get to a place, I, well, I wanna get to a place, you can decide whether or not you wanna get there, where I could say, I'll be wiser this time, instead of saying, hey, we'll be wiser next time. And so today, we're gonna look at getting wiser in our marriages. Wiser in our marriages. We locked the doors, you can't go anywhere. Let's go ahead, grab your Bibles. Open them up to Genesis chapter two, Genesis chapter two. Now, as you're getting there to Genesis two, uh, th th when I talk about things like this, I, I find myself in a, a place where I, I wanna give some recognition out there because I never come into a message wanting to uh, like exclude people or single people out, which is what happens when we talk about something like marriage, right? Because there are single people here. There are people who are not married and I don't want you to feel like we are not talking to you. There, there are a lot of reasons. There are people who are single, but you wanna be married. Uh, there are people here and, and maybe you're divorced or you lost someone and this is, this is not an easy thing to be listening to uh, at all. And, and, and there are some of you here, by the way, uh, who are single and you ain't looking. You know, you just keep on walking, right? Like you are fine being single and that's okay uh, with you. And so I get that, I realize that. Um, but here's what I'm gonna ask. I hope you stay in this with me. I hope you stay with me because every time God's word is open, there's benefit that does not return void. And so that's one big thing to consider that, that God can uh, reach every one of us when we open God's word. It's always profitable. And you never know how God can use this in your life. You never know wherever you are in the Maybe somebody in your circle of influence, maybe one day uh, you, you will get married. So, so just stay, don't check out on me because we do need to talk to married folks or about to be married folks today, especially uh, in the culture we're living in. The culture that we live in goes against the current of what God has to say about marriage. And so we, I just wanna talk about this because the culture we live in wants us to lay down some things that God would never say lay down, never ever. And so what we wanna do is, is allow God to come in and, and what he says to make us wiser and find more joy in our marriages. What we're gonna see today is hopefully see some really, really high values that God places on our relationship in marriage. And we're gonna wade into those together. And so I think for some of us, it will be a good reminder. It will be a reminder for, for some of the reasons why you're married and, and what you're seeing in your marriage uh, and, and how you view your relationship with your spouse. And for others, my hope is that maybe you bring some new things in that, that you're not refreshed, but you are renewed by a new sense of understanding of what God does have to say about marriage. We talk about marriage a few times a year, right? We did, it's important, we talk about it. And here's the trend. The trend is that it always starts out with how bad things are, the divorce rate is so bad. And we're trending down, it's doomsday for marriages. And 
So here, I'm not gonna start out that way, everybody. Here, I'm gonna start more positive. Here's, so when I started looking up some information, I, I looked at recent statistics. Believe it or not, the divorce rate in America is no longer above 50%. So it's trending, it's getting better. I know, it's a healthy 45%. So that's good, uh, that's a good thing. It's my positive note. And statistics say that 90% that of you will check in more on a positive thing, then there's only a 50% chance of that. But anyways, uh, so there's my positive thing. So let's get some wisdom. That joke totally fell flat. So let's get some wisdom. <laughs> In our marriages, watch Airplane the movie, you'll get it. Um, and with what God says marriage uh, should be. And then by just readjusting to some of the things that God says, we're gonna see how that, that makes a huge difference in the relationship that we have that's intended for a lifetime, okay? So we're gonna do that because there are a lot of people in here, a lot of people watching who are doing those things. They are putting God's wisdom into their marriages and they are seeing joy, they are seeing fulfillment, they are seeing passion and all of that happening in the relationship with they have. It's possible. And I think there may be some of you here and, and you are looking or thinking about your relationship and you're thinking, is it possible? Like, can we get out of this? Uh, uh, how do we get better at this? Is there any light? And I'm here to tell you there is. There is absolutely light. I believe that there are marriages that God wants to heal, that he wants to get better, uh, that he can rescue, and it can absolutely happen, everybody. Okay, but you're gonna find, here's what you're gonna find, uh, that the way people are finding that and the way people are uh, uh, seeing marriage happen in a better way, they are seeing things differently and they are doing things differently with God, okay? So Genesis 2, all right, Genesis 2. We're gonna start with a refresher of the purpose of marriage and then talk about how we can keep ourselves in the right place where, with investing the right things in our marriage. So we're gonna start from the very beginning, just like uh, when we talked about the other day with work, many people believe that marriage is a man-made thing. It is not. God actually made marriage from the very, very beginning. So we're gonna go into that, okay? Uh, we're gonna look at Genesis 2, 21. And so here's where we are in the very beginning of the story. God made man, and then he said, hey, it's not good for him to be alone. And so this is where we're gonna pick up in verse 21. And so it says, the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And so Adam woke up and, and he was pretty pumped when he saw what he saw, okay? So, so actually what we see is he does a little spoken word to Eve in the next verse, here's what Adam says. He goes, man, I'm gonna start snapping my fingers. He goes, then the man said, hey, this is last bone of my bones of flesh of my flesh, da doom, doom, doom. She shall be called woman, which actually the Hebrew word uh, is the word ishaw, ishaw, which means whoa, man. That's why I got, I've said that before, but it's great. Okay, that's not true. That's not what it means. It means woman. Uh, <laughs> It's great because she was taken out of man. And so it says this in verse 24, therefore uh, man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. And so right here, we see the very first union, the very first wedding. Adam doesn't waste any time. That's why I included that last verse there. He's like, don't even get dressed. You look great. Let's just say I do, I do. All right, let's go. I love that. I love that. Read your Bible, it's great. Uh, and so in here, in here, this is where we're gonna start before we get into bringing some practical wisdom into our marriages, some foundational things. In here, we actually see a couple really big principles that God brings in from the very beginning on how he designed marriage to be. So we have man and woman, and we have two becoming one, all right? So the first thing that we see is the design of God in marriage is intended to be between a man and a woman. 
All right, now, we're gonna talk about it. We see it in Genesis here. We see Gen- or Jesus reference it in the Gospels as well. He references this. Uh, and then we also see it in the New Testament in the book of Ephesians. And we also see it in 1 Corinthians. And here's the thing. I realize, as I thought through this, I realize that my just saying that is not the popular thing to be saying in our culture, that, that our culture is not saying the same thing we're saying. I understand that. I even know that some of you in here, that you are following God, and you may not agree with what I just said, that, that, that God's design is intended for marriage between a man and a woman. And, and some of you may even take a position that because I said that, that maybe I'm intolerant or, or that I'm bigoted, which I am not. I am absolutely not. But, but here's what I'll say. I get it. I get it, because based on how Christianity, not the religion of Christianity, not the followers of Jesus, but people, based on how people have treated this topic, I totally get why some of us would, would feel that, okay? Because I'm also, by the way, and I'm so glad that nobody did this, I'm also not saying this for, for people to yell out amen to, because that's not loving people well at all by just going amen, like that, that's not what we do. And so I am not saying this to be divisive. I'm not saying this to be insensitive. It is simply what God designed. It was there from the very beginning. It's how God made this to be. But at the same time, everybody, it does not mean that I do not have compassion for people who, by the way, I know and who I care about, uh, who are working through this with God. They're trying to figure this out. They're, they're thinking through this. And, they, and, and here's what's going on. There's a challenge that I think many of us do not get. I don't think we will ever get that they're working through this or find themselves at a challenging place with what God's word says uh, and how that doesn't line up with the desires that they feel are there. Like they're not, they're, they're, they're not making that up and, and that's a challenge. And I'm gonna tell you, I will never know that in this area. Many of us will not know that. I think we, we have glimpses of it, but I don't think it's complete. I don't think it's a complete picture of the challenge. For instance, I can look at some things where God's truth doesn't line up with how I feel. Like, so for forgiveness, for instance, right? Where God says that I should forgive uh, as, as he's forgiven me through Christ and I am a bad sinner and, and he says, I will forgive you. And so, uh, but I get challenged sometimes when he, when he talks about forgiving others with some people in my life. And so uh, I get it, uh, but it, it's not easy, but I don't think that's all the way with, with folks who are challenged in this area. And I'm, I'm trying to say this to be as understanding as I can be with the truth that God says and lays out that we cannot dismiss or be contrary to, right? That's what God's word says. We gotta follow that and believe what God says. And so here's what I would say before we move on. What I would say to someone who just disagrees with what God's word says, with what this says, I would say, I love you and you are welcome in this place, uh, but we do here look to God first for answers to these questions, and so we hold on to that truth, and, and while we hold on to that truth, th- that is not in direct competition with how I love you. I hope that makes sense. I, I, I absolutely love you. It has no competition with that, uh, and so for the people who here who do or listening who do affirm they do affirm God's design for marriage as Genesis 2 lays out, as Jesus affirms, as Ephesians 5 and Corinthians affirm. We need to think about how that impacts people, everybody. We just do. We need to think about how that, that really does affect people. Our call, last time I looked, is to love God and love people, both. We gotta love God and love people with truth and grace. And so we hold on to the truth with grace. I think many of us miss the grace part and love, and, and the thought is, well, that's kind of messy. And yes, loving people is messy. It's messy. We wade into the mess here at this church while we hold on to the truth, okay? So marriage is defined that way as we see it, as God laid it out. And then it also says not just that, but to become one. Now, 
That gets read a lot at marriage, at weddings. Like I've read that, the Genesis account where two become one and we read it all the time. But have you ever thought about that? That doesn't make sense because what that is saying is one plus one equals one. That's terrible math that God has right there. So I wanna talk about that for a second because what this is getting at is a very, very important thing. And it's a big difference between uh, what marriage is God designed and, and everybody else. What this is talking about is a covenant, a covenant. All right, this is the first big idea. If you're taking notes, grab your notes out there. This is the first big idea with bringing God's wisdom into our marriages. So if you're taking notes, the first big idea is that marriage is first first, a covenant. It is a covenant. So we got to unpack this a little bit because this word covenant is probably not used that much outside of church. It's actually probably not used that much inside of church, but it's a very big word. So what is a covenant? Here's a covenant when it comes to marriage. God made a covenant with man, uh, but we also enter into a covenant in our marriage as a picture of the relationship that God has with his people. But here's what a covenant is. I don't have it up there, but a covenant is an agreement with my spouse, with the other person where I am going to give up some of my rights so that I can take on responsibility so I can bring in a relationship. So I'm gonna give up some of my rights so that I can take on, bring in some responsibility so that I can gain a relationship. That's what a covenant is. This is the call. This is what marriages that work are doing. This right there is how two become one, okay? So this is how we get there. This is, in order for one Just think about this. In order for one plus one to become one, then there needs to be some giving up of me. That's how I look at it, right? So I gotta give up some so that it can still be a whole. I can't keep everything of me uh, and then bring in Courtney and say, okay, it equals one. There has to be some giving up of me. A covenant is the ultimate commitment in a relationship because you gotta give things up in order to take on. Does that make sense? That's how one plus one equals one. And so here's what's sad to me though. Here's what's sad to me. I think Christians, I think Christians have bought in to the world's uh, definition and approach of marriage, which is subpar to God's design, subpar to the value that God's put. It's not even close to how God put uh, marriage in our minds. In every area, here's what I've thought about this, in every area, in every way, the world's approach to marriage is inferior to the value that we should place on the relationship and what we should be getting out of it as well. But we bought into the world's view of marriage. Uh, The world does not believe in covenant. That's why you don't hear it out there. The world doesn't believe. Here's what the world believes in. They believe in a uh, consumeristic, contractual approach to marriage, all right? So that's what happens. And here's what the difference is. I'm just clear, it's clear as day. The, the contractual, uh, uh, consumeristic view of marriage is this, is that I'm not gonna give up my rights, I'm gonna protect my rights. That's the difference. I'm not gonna give them up. I'm gonna protect the rights that I have. Uh, in a covenant or, or, or a, a contractual marriage also says, hey, listen, I'm not gonna take on responsibility. I'm gonna limit the responsibility I have to have. And we bought into that, gang. We totally have bought into that because the other thing about a contract too, as you can see in the sports world, is you can always get out of a contract, right? There's always something, there's a clause, there's a get out of jail there, there's a section for termination in the world. So the world says, hey, listen, man, get out if it's hard, if it ain't easy, it ain't worth it, there's plenty of fish in the sea, it's not worth it. And we bought into that concept. And um, I'll go to bat for people. I'll go to bat for people, even people in here who, I, I don't, you know, people who are following Jesus but still come at it in a contractual way. I'm gonna go to bat with, I'm not gonna say that's what you, what you should do, but I'm gonna say, here's why I think folks do that. It's because of the baggage uh, and some of the harm and hurt that you've experienced from other people. And so then you get in protection mode 
And you come at this from a completely different angle. And, and I could easily see that is why I think people bring that into their marriages because we have past hurts or damage that have happened before. But I will tell you this, and this is what we know for those of us who have marriages that are really uh, thriving and going after God, uh, coming in with that kind of contractual consumeristic idea, it will absolutely keep you from experiencing uh, from experiencing what God wants to have uh, for you and, and you will never, you'll never be able to get the value as high as he puts on it, okay? We have to fight. We have to fight that tendency, everybody. We have to fight that tendency to protect me, myself, and I um, in marriage because it's, it's no longer me and I, it's us and we. That's what we say. It's no, that's two becoming one, okay? So for us, this is why it's so foundational important before we get into these practical wisdom things. This is the difference with a covenant, this is why covenant is so different. It means, and, and this is what you don't get in a contractual agreement. This is what it actually means. It means we are not going anywhere. And gang, if you don't think that means something, it does. It absolutely, you, you cannot fight fair in a contractual agreement. Because what I know if I'm in that is you may bail on me. You may, that, you may, and so I can't even fight fair because I have to protect myself as well. And so you can't even do what, what we know we can do easily when you're in a contract marriage game. Because uh, for us though, in a covenant, when it, it, it means I know you're not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. We're gonna fight through this. We're gonna get through this. We're gonna love each other as a result of this. That is a key. That is a key to how trust is built up and not taken away in a relationship. So, Again, covenant, really important, is giving up some rights, giving up my rights so that I can commit to the other person by taking on responsibility for the relationship. That's two becoming one. So that's covenant. What's the commitment? What's the, right? Because it's a commitment that we make. What is a commitment? What do we give up? What do we take on? And here it is. It's one thing. It's very simple, very simple, one thing. And we find it in the book of Ephesians. If you go to Ephesians 5, 21, you're going to find the one thing that we commit to which is what we give up, what we take on. And, and by the way, if you want to go and find uh, the best place to read about a marriage and what God has to say, go to Ephesians 5. It is amazing. It starts in verse 21 and it'll go on for about 12, 13 more verses. Great place to study. If you want to see what a godly marriage looks like, we're going to just be in verse 21. Uh, but here's what it says. This is the one thing we do. This is the commitment we make, that we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then it goes on after this over the next 12 verses to lay out the roles between a husband and a wife. It's really great. It talks about how we, we are uh, equal in heirship to Christ, but there are just different things that we take on in the relationship that we have. But it is all gang, listen, this is, we miss this verse when we read Ephesians 5. This is, the, this is the linchpin. It all starts with this one thing that we submit to one another. That means I'm checking myself, my ego at the door, and I'm allowing, this is the big one, I'm allowing the better leader in, which is not the other person, it's Christ. I'm allowing Jesus in to be my leader. That is the, that's the lifelong pursuit. That's the commitment that a wise marriage makes. This is the call. That's what makes all the difference, gang, I'm telling you. And, and so what Paul's getting at right here, we'll leave this up here, go back there. What Paul is getting at with this is this. Just think about this. Think about this with this scripture in mind. Every relationship, every single one would drastically improve if people think of others first, especially marriages. Every, every relationship would benefit from thinking of the other person first. But 
Why it's not seen as much as, as we see it is because what that takes is really countercultural. Like really, really countercultural because it takes laying aside, think, my priority, my rights, my importance, my ego, and I love the other person first before I love myself. That is literally against the flow of our culture where it's about individuality and, and independence and it's, and it's me and my stuff that I protect and I gotta take care of me. But here, if, if you want a better path to a better marriage, this is it. If you want a path to better relationships, if you're not married, this is it. That, that's what this will do. But the key is you do not do it because of the other person. You do it because you put God first in your life and that will guide every single thing that you do and it'll allow you to love others even before yourself. This is so counter to what we see anywhere else. And so in that covenant, you leave other things as a top priority, even yourself, you'll be united You'll become one flesh and they lived happily ever after and nothing wrong will happen because you complete me and this is the greatest thing I've ever heard. We can go away happy. No? Hey. <laughs> Amen. That's not, that's, that's not what happens? Man, I thought I preached better than that. Okay. <laughs> We'll keep going. I got some more stuff. Here, here's what I want to say. We'll talk about some stuff. But the, the truth is here, I, I really don't want to get past this. The truth is that when you look into the dynamics of what it takes to have a healthy marriage, that's it right there. That, that, that is it. But here's the other truth. We're going to look at, uh, if you want to open one more place, go to 1 Corinthians 7, 28. I want to make sure I saturate this message with scripture. 1 Corinthians 7, 28. This is why I love the Bible. Here's why I love the Bible. Okay, the Bible not only gives us the truth that we need to hear, it also tells us what we need to know, and then it gives us helps along the way. And this is one of those helps that the Bible gives us along the way. This is this little line in here in the middle of this big section, and here's what he says. He says, oh wait, go, go back to, I don't have that verse in there. Okay, it says, yet, oh, those who will marry will have worldly troubles. That's a help. Everybody, that's where you want to say amen to, right? Every, so here's the truth, right? Now, and here's what's great. He goes on to say, he even goes on to say, just read it for yourself. He goes, I want to even spare some of you from this, so don't get married. That's what he actually says. And you're like, well, wait a minute, no. Uh, no, man, love will be strong enough to get us through. He's like, okay, try that. Go ahead, try. Uh, he said, but you're gonna have worldly troubles, okay? Uh, so here, here's the truth, here's the truth. In a covenant marriage that, that we agree with that, we're like, that's we go after, check my ego at the door. Uh, there will be challenges in this approach. So we see that help. There's gonna be challenges. There's gonna be tension. There's gonna be at times where you're gonna look at your loving spouse and be like, I don't like you. That, that's good. There's a little, 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 I've never done that, but I'm just saying it could happen to you. There will be some brokenness, okay? And so what that means is we need to have some things in place. This is what this is getting at. So we're gonna talk about the rest of our time. So we just have to put some things in place in order to keep submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's, we just have to put some of those things in place. So I'm gonna give you Two things to do, two things to do, really easy. And within those, just a couple ideas within these two things uh, that we can think about. And so this is gonna be the, this is how we bring wisdom into the marriage. So the first thing uh, that we need to do if you wanna have a marriage that lasts forever is this, that I need to ruthlessly eliminate risks. I want to, I wanna make that as strong as I can. Ruthless is a great word. Ruthlessly eliminate the risks. Hey, everybody, 
you gotta draw some lines in the sand with your marriage, you hear me? We are letting way too much stuff in that is a huge risk for us to be divided. Amen? Draw some lines in the sand together. Say, we are not crossing that line. No way, no how. We are way too important to each other with what God told us that we are, the value that we have with each other. We gotta draw some lines in the sand. And so I'm gonna challenge you with three ways to eliminate the risk, three ways. You eliminate it through community, you eliminate it through integrity, and you eliminate it through access, all right? We're gonna talk about each one of these really quick, okay? First way you eliminate risk is through community. You need godly marriages in your life. You cannot do this alone. We say that all the time about everybody that goes for marriages as well. You need p- people praying for your marriage, like checking in with how you're doing spiritually in your marriage, how the progress that you guys are making, because there's, there's way too much going against us. The stresses that are involved, if you got kids and all that, it's, it's a lot to take on in a marriage. Jobs that you have, all those, you need people in your corner. You've got to find that. You've got to find that. In fact, I will tell you this. I'll go this far. If you show me or tell me about a marriage that is in a tailspin or that is not getting, that is out of control, more than likely it's a marriage that is isolated from biblical community. More than likely, they're isolated from biblical community. So don't, don't con- I know we talk about getting in groups all the time. It's so important because don't confuse being around people with being known. Don't confuse being around people with being, you know, you can't do it alone. Uh, so get yourself around other God-fearing couples. I, there are couples in Courtney and I's life that are really, they're great marriages, but they're not godly marriages. And so we also have godly marriages in our life as well because we know how important that is. And so we can't confuse that either, okay? Uh, so another way that we do it, so through community, another way we do it is through integrity, through integrity. Here's uh, the, new defi- or the New Testament definition of integrity. Here's what it means. Just think about this with your marriage. Honesty and adherence to a pattern of good works. I love that. Like when I thought about me and Courtney, I'm like, I want that. I want that, man. I want to have honesty uh, and adherence to a pattern of good works for her. And so there's a lot of things that I could talk about with just have good integrity in your life. And so just a question to ask you here, just a question to ask you. Um, I'll ask it in me, like in in an I way. I just wrote this down. Am I communicating in a way with the opposite sex, okay? Where if Courtney read every text, every email, eavesdropped on every conversation, she'd feel fine about it. I just wanna challenge myself there all the time. If, if, if I could say yes to that, then I'm having integrity in the, in the, the, the biggest risk out there, which is, is somebody of the opposite sex, okay? So we gotta have integrity in the last way that we eliminate the risks I know this isn't what the world's saying, gang. I'm just telling you, if you want a, God, if you want a marriage that really goes after some great things, and this is what we do, uh, is, is by access, the access you give to your spouse, which this is what I mean by access, okay? Can my spouse at any time access my phone, my computer, and knows every password that I have, and they don't even have to ask them if they want to get on it? Again, I, I know how this sounds. I mean, it sounds, it sounds crazy to some people to say, wait a minute, like I really trust, I really trust them, so they, I, they, they're okay. But that's the exact opposite of it. I'm gonna talk about this here for a second, okay? Uh, I'm just laying out what honors God and what happens in a covenant. Um, here, here's what happens. A marriage, a marriage that honors God, you will gain, the, listen, just think about the logic of this. You will gain more intimacy when you go give over more privacy. That, that's how it works, let me say it this way. So when I, when the more, the more um, privacy that I give up, the more intimacy that will come in. That's just how it goes. I think, here's what I think. 
I think so many marriages are absolutely compromising intimacy in this way because you're protecting so much things. You're keeping things private and the more privacy you keep, the less intimacy you will have. Try me on that. It's absolutely a, an apples and apples thing. You drop intimacy every time you take privacy. And, and again, like I know this sounds, again, the world would say, wait a minute, no, that's actually saying you don't trust the other person. No, that's the ironic part is it's the exact opposite. So here's the logic. So when I look at it with me and Courtney, when I look at it with me and Courtney, and by the way, by the way, I'm just giving you my examples. We, we have work to do in our marriage as well. We're not perfect, okay? Uh, but when, when we look at it, the, here's what I know. When I look at it from me and her, see, the more trust I give to Courtney, like I wanna give her my trust, the more trust I give to Courtney, the more access she will have to me. Does that make sense? That's how I think about it. The, the more I wanna trust, the more I want to give her access to and the more intimacy comes as a result. You cannot do it any other way. You can't have 100% trust but limited access. Does that make sense? You cannot have 100% trust with limited access to the other person. I know this is counter to the world, but it works, I'm telling you. So those are the wisdom steps to eliminate risks, okay? Uh, and I'm not giving you popular things people do. I'm giving you things to think about to eliminate risks, uh, to not be in that percentage of divorces, okay? You eliminate risk so you can do the other thing, which is this, is that I will also uh, radically, radically invest in for rewards. I will radically invest for rewards. And so we invest in three areas. I just wanna give three ideas on this one. These are easy because they rhyme, all right? So you could be at lunch thinking about these or wherever and just remember that they rhyme. Here it is, okay? Here's how we invest for rewards. We play together, we pray together, we lay together. There you go, let's say it together. We pray together, no. We play, pray, and lay. Uh, so, so if you can consistently find ways to invest in fun, in spiritual activity and in intimacy, you will see your marriage grow. Those are three things. I'm trying to make it as easy as possible. So let's talk about some of these things, fun stuff. Man, like plan, plan some date nights. Plan some date nights. Go out, don't go with other people. Just go, go with your spouse and make eye contact and say hi. Uh, do that. Hi, hi, it's good to see you. Uh, with nobody running around, just the two of you. Plan a few times a year where you take a little bit of a longer trip or, or a weekend or something. And you know, if you don't have the money to do that, get improvised, do a staycation, you know, where you can find somebody to watch the kids overnight or something. Courtney and I just did that last weekend. It was great. We stayed at home and we walked around being like, I never knew the house was this quiet. I didn't know. I, it was a great house. Like it was lovely. Every time I saw I'm like, so quiet around here. It's awesome. So uh, do that. Get, 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 some, get some fun. Like go rock climbing, go, go roller skating. Does that still exist? I don't know. Uh, that was a bad example. Uh, bowl, go bowling. Do, I don't know what you're, I don't know. Just do something fun. Uh, as far as praying together. So when was the last time you just had some fun with your spouse, all right? You did not get married to say, man, they're really boring. I, let's go, let's go. No, you had fun together. Get fun, okay? As far as praying together, here's, here's my thing with praying together. And I'm talking about just spiritual stuff. Do spiritual stuff together. But I do wanna challenge you here. Every couple can pray some way. That's what I thought. Every couple can pray some way together. I think in the past, I, I really pushed people to pray out loud to each other. And as I talk to a lot of people, that's not as comfortable for some as others, okay? But here's what I'll say. Find a way that works. Find a way that works. So if it is praying out loud together, do it. I think that's the best way, but here's some other ideas. Maybe you could just text prayer requests to each other in the morning. Hey, what can I pray for you today? 
Text it and say, okay, man, and literally pray. Man, I'm telling you, that'll go a long way. Um, maybe you can write down some prayers for your marriage or prayer, hey, this is what I wanna see. This is what I wanna see more. This is what I wanna see better. And then you put it on the other person's nightstand and so you can pray for each other that way uh, as you are together. So you could do other ways. Just, again, get some spiritual things going uh, to invest for rewards. And then you lay together. Physical intimacy is absolutely important in a marriage. God made it to be good. And, and intimacy does not just mean uh, sex. It's, it's all kinds of other things. It's, it's touch. It's, it's in how you speak. It's the words that you say. It's how you look at each other. All those bring in the intimacy that we need, okay? We need that. It's meeting each other's physical needs by, by providing some of those things. And that's how you become one flesh and spirit and soul, okay? Um, and so th- these things don't just happen. They don't just have, you gotta, you gotta be uh, uh, creating these opportunities to actually see these things happen. And so turn off phone, sit down, dinner, plan for some stuff, okay? Uh, so in order to keep submitting to one another, we need to ruthlessly eliminate risks and we need to radically invest for rewards, okay? Uh, I had a few more that didn't fit anywhere, just really quick bonuses. Uh, here's one, just write it down. Be a great forgiver. Be great for, like try to beat the other person in forgiving right? Maybe uh, just ask, how are we forgiving each other? Here's another one. If you think of something good to say, say it. Don't wait. Just say it. And if there's something good that you could do, do it. Don't, don't wait for like anniversary. Like do it for no reason. I think those would go a long way. And actually in the saying things, we're going to talk about that next week, but man, your spouse needs way more affirmation than you think. And so do you, by the way, so do you. So all right, now, uh, those are huge investments that bring great rewards. And so I wanna just end really quick with three quick questions. These are wise questions to ask. I've asked them before. You might have them in your notes before, but because they're so wise, I'm not changing them, okay? So here we go. Three wise questions if you never wrote these down before. Really good to take an inventory. Here's the first one. What kind of marriage do we want? This is what you should ask each other. What kind of marriage do we want? And here's what I wanna push in this area if you're a Christian. If you're a Christian, I'm, I'm just gonna go ahead and take the liberty to say, you're already setting yourself apart in Christ. You're already saying we are different. We, we wanna live for Jesus. So I wanna push you here. I, you need to ask each other this. Are we going after a godly marriage? Period. There's no other way to go about it because any other way is subpar and goes into what culture will say about marriage. So, so it will define your actions and I'm telling you, it makes a huge difference, okay? People who want a godly marriage, check their egos out the door. Honor the other person first. Think of the other person first. They walk humbly. They allow grace, love, and truth to come in. That is an all-in thing with God because God leads out of reverence for Christ. I will do it, okay? So it's worth asking the question, what kind of marriage do you want? Here's the second one. What tensions are in our marriage? Just ask that question. Hey, what, what are some tensions? There, and I'm gonna tell you something that's great news. All of us have some. Every marriage has a few of them. And so we gotta talk about that. Now it's a little bit of a deeper conversation. I would not bring that up at dinner with the family. You know what I'm saying? Find a place where you could get together and have some time to really say, what are some tensions? Is it, is it this, is it that? And, and, and because here's what I, I know. Hidden tensions are marriage killers. Think about it. Hidden tensions are marriage killers killers. So get that out of there. Just, it's not about solving every one of them. It's about getting them out in the open so we know we can work towards the other. And here's the, the last one. It's really good. Really good. Hey, what can we celebrate? What can we celebrate uh, that, that we're doing good, that we're seeing God work? Because the more you can find those things, it's going to give you the momentum you need to take on some more responsibility, to take on some more stuff for God. And it will get you from here to there. 
in your marriage. I think that's what God wants to see and that's what he has in store for you. So I hope that was helpful to bring some wisdom in there. Let me pray for us. God, thank you that you did create marriage for a purpose. You did make it for our benefit. You made uh, helpers for us. And, and I pray for every one of us in this room, married or single, that we find these relationships that thrive, that we, that we seek them out to build us up, that we know that we are not made to live this life alone. We are not made to be in isolation. And, and, and I pray that for our married folks here that we do see the value you placed on marriage, that we could see the high value you put on it that we come at it uh, with the right mentality and we will see blessings come as a result of following what you have to say and going against the current of what the world says. That ain't working. You work, God. So I pray we could check our egos at the door, that we, that we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. You lead us, Jesus. You lead us. Because the more we look to you, the easier it will become to serve and love the other person well. We love you and we pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, I hope that was helpful for those of you who are married and a single as well. Uh, really quick reminder, if you are a big kick coach, don't forget there's an 11 o'clock coaches meeting upstairs in the offices. Don't forget to catch that meeting and we will see you next Sunday for the next thing to get wise in. See y'all.